Hi, this is Tyler Durden of Mocha First, the one-of-a-kind ecosystem for any Mocha members. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the one-of-a-kind podcast that brings the most exciting evolutions at the outer edge of tech to you. Keep listening. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how Mochaverse is breaking ground for new levels of collaboration and community in Web3. And why spaghetti is the new lemonade for kids to start their entrepreneurial journey. And what OpenSea's new product means for the NFT marketplace landscape. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. Finally, Outer Edge LA, our awesome community-centric gathering, recently returned to Los Angeles March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. Now, if you think you missed out, here's a way to catch up on all the interactive experiences, discussions, presentations, and more. Simply go to watch.outeredge.live and register with your email address to get a full recap of over 60 captivating conversations and performances. Netflix, game on. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Tyler Durden of Mochaverse. With a 15-year history in the tech startup sphere, Tyler has co-founded and managed a variety of ventures, including those in renewable energy, cross-border e-commerce, and AI. His fervent dedication to fostering widespread adoption of innovative technologies has elevated him to a pivotal role in championing AI and Web3 integration for Fortune 500 companies. Tyler's deep exploration of NFTs, DeFi, and ReFi has led him to his current role as head of projects at Animoca Brands, a prominent name in the blockchain gaming industry. His visionary leadership is set to propel Animoca Brands into new territories within the rapidly evolving Web3 domain. Mochaverse serves as the membership NFT collection for Animoca Brands, exceptional network of companies, projects, investments, shareholders, and partners. This unique collection embodies our values surrounding Web3 and digital property rights, as well as our unparalleled ecosystem. And Tyler, welcome you to Edge of NFT. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yes, Tyler. So glad to have you on the show. And it was great to meet you at Outer Edge LA. Thanks for making us your first stop on what seems like a Mochaverse world tour. Yeah, like we've been traveling around and we were in LA and then Singapore. We also, we were in Tokyo, which was like very exciting. So yeah, it's great to be on this show as well. And Ashup NFT conference was amazing. Was on a good panel with Ucolabs. And thanks for pulling that, Josh. Like, it's been amazing. It's our pleasure. And for full disclosure, Ethan and I should share that we are members of Mochaverse as part of the Animoca portfolio. So we have our Mochers and we're holding. And this is a pretty revolutionary project that we're going to get into, but it features 8,888 distinct Mochas. Why don't you start by telling us about the origin story and explain how you got involved in all this? Yeah, so initially, it's basically Yasu, the chairman of the company, the co-founder of Animoke Brands, and be like, hey, like we should do a PFP collection. And then, okay, basically, the team is like, okay, taking that, and then what does that mean? 
what do we want to achieve? Like what kind of utilities are we trying to provide and all that? And basically the team take it from there, just like one statement, we need TFP collection. And then basically like keep expanding the potential of Mochafers. We call that ecosystem NFT. And that's probably like something that no one has called it before, but we believe in the space, there's not a lot of companies can actually build an ecosystem NFT. Meaning like, for example, like animal brands have invested in 400 portfolio companies and having like a very wide reach and network. And our role here is to bring that network effects of the portfolio companies and partners to be accrued to the NFT itself as a collection. And there's just a lot to do. Like since we announced that we're launching Mocha first, we got 100 plus different like portfolio companies like reaching out to us and different partners to actually work together. And we have launched something called the XP system, which we think would be instrumental in the Web3 space because it's going to basically bring a lot of motivation for people to participate in the ecosystem. And it's not just the holders, but also as well as the Web3 projects actually that would be participating in the ecosystem. Yeah, I feel like, Ethan, these guys have a sort of an unfair advantage in that Animoca Brands has like this vast portfolio of, of Web3 projects and partners already. You guys have seen what works and what doesn't work, and you're sort of down in it, so to speak, in terms of having a feel for what's happening on the ground. I'm really excited about all that. And I know we're looking forward to diving into this conversation today. Yeah. At Animoca Brands, we have been talking about synergy, collaboration, and all that. But I don't think anyone has really cracked it in terms of what's a real collaboration and partnership in the space. Because you see a lot of the whitelist swap and all that, like probably like shilling or doing AMA and all that. But there's a lot of potential in terms of at a deeper level of collaboration and partnership. What do we mean by that is basically we think there is a scrappy way to, to actually achieve interoperability and across different projects. It doesn't have to be coming up with like a new standard and everyone needs to follow that standard. We believe in the partner ecosystem, there is a really good way for an asset to be cross-chain, cross-ecosystem, cross-platform, and the user basically engaging with different platforms. And at the end, the value is being accrued, centralized but decentralized ecosystem. Yeah, like the Mocha XP is very interesting. It's being accrued to the token ID and the NFT itself. We'll have to talk more about it probably later in the session as well. Yeah, you know, you've mentioned a good degree so far, the sort of collaboration opportunities here. We're a member of the Animoke ecosystem, and we have our own things that we can offer to the rest of the ecosystem, right? How else do you foresee the collaborations playing out here? What's the way that you imagine kind of this stuff moving forward? Yeah, since we announced like Mocha first, and then we basically have official partnership with Nansen, we have an official partnership with Amazon, mainly on the Amazon Web Services side. We announced a partnership with SkyMavis, formerly X-Infinity, and with Gamey, Arc8, and which is a hyper casual games. The collaboration and partnership are going to bring vast diversity of experiences to the holders. And the Mochafers, we're really not concerned about like the volume of the partnerships and collaborations. But then we're very cautious about how we curate that experience along the user journey. And then the partnership and collaboration is not limited to games. There's, for example, like Azure Vanity can probably make a proposal to the Mocha DAO, which we will be launching soon to 
be the advocate of demographers and basically like having podcasts creating content uh, either in text or video format and all that to basically share about demographers or even having a dedicated session or channel podcast for demographers, right? The, the beauty about this is that the Mocha DAO and, and the community can propose anything around a few key themes, right? I'm going to publish like a light paper very soon, but the DAO has three main themes. One is governance. And then second is really about building the culture and the influence in the market, building the Mocha IP. And then third is about building. So how do you build like a new product? How can you make the onboarding experience like amazing? And there's tons of things, maybe making a proposal on building experience on Sandbox. Like Sebastian and the team has been like having really great conversations. Sebastian himself, the founder of Sandbox, is very bullish about Mochaverse and loves Mochaverse. And we have been working very closely together. I would say the potential is endless and sky is the limit. Yeah, very cool. You mentioned Mocha XP a little bit earlier, and I've gone on and I've checked, and I'm excited to see that we are at the top of the leaderboard. Now, I should say there's actually quite a lot of folks at the top of the leaderboard right now, but I'm personally very curious how that system is going to work and the significance of it and how we're going to be able to stay at the top of the leaderboard while everyone else slowly goes down the leaderboard. That's really what I want to know. That's a really great question, actually. The XP is actually coming from four different dimensions. One is more on sticking. Basically, you don't list, you don't transfer, you don't sell, right? And then you're able to, it's basically, it's more passive in terms of earning the XP. But then the second category of it is also activation. So if you're active in participating in activations like games, for example, we're going to launch Gamey Arc 8 Hyper Casual Game for the Mochaverse holders on April 20th, just for the culture. So it's, it's going to be like pretty amazing when people participate in those activations. And we even have like tribe versus tribe kind of like leaderboard as well. So there's like a social element in it and also like competitive element. In it. If you're active in activation, then you would definitely be ahead of the leaderboard. And then third, I would say is community kind of engagement. So the more you share, the more you tweet, the more you participate on Discord, and then the more you earn as well in the future. The fourth category would be contribution. And this is something that we value a lot. For example, are you active in making a proposal? Are you active in bouncing ideas about like a proposal in the DAO? Are you active in voting? XP would be a way to incentivize and driving that robust conversation and thoughtful conversation about the longevity of the project as well. It's not just like pump and dumb or like talking about prize action. Yeah, sounds like there's quite a few mechanisms there. So that's exciting to get to work on. You also dropped some alpha recently uh, that Mochaverse is one of the largest ApeCoin DAO governance delegates and you've acquired 1.5 million Ape coins. Can you tell us a little bit more about the decision to be that deeply engaged with ApeCoin and the implications there? Yeah, I mean, like this, we're probably like the first project to ever do this to delegate like a huge amount of ApeCoin or any kinds of tokens to a more decentralized community. Our whole vision about that is how we can play a role in decentralized economy and like the voting process in the DAO by delegating the voting rights to the Mochaverse holders, to thousands of people and thousands of wallets. That is the first intention. 
And the second intention is that any Mocha brands could have delegated more to the Mocha first holders. But the reason why we are so specific about 1.5 million is because we don't want to completely swing the vote. We don't want it to be deterministic. So if you look at the Acoin DAO proposal, some of the controversial kind of like proposals and voting is about 1.5 million difference. And Mochaverse holders are going to have a lot of influence in the APUNDA proposals. And a lot of people probably don't completely understand the influence and the power of it and potentially what tangible value it would bring. Because like once we announce it, it's very funny. Like there are some community members who's like, why don't you just evenly distribute 1.5 million ApeCoin to all the holders and get all the financial rewards and all that. Well, it's like, it doesn't work that way. First, it doesn't work that way. And second, it's going to be a zero-sum game if we do that. The thing that I'm personally very against and also the rest of the company as well is to have a zero-sum game. Like we make, let's say, 10 million, we're going to distribute 5 million, we keep 5 million and then to keep the operation. We don't believe in that way. What we believe is that, for example, we're starting off with 10 million. We believe this can be 100 million or a billion. And then the holders are going to benefit from it. Basically, the ApeCoin allocation and then the delegation, we are the second largest in the ApeCoin DAO holding. And what it means in terms of implications, we have already seen a lot of ape holders coming into Mochaverse community. And first to lobby, second is to educate. Because the ape holders, they want to make sure the Mochaverse holders are educated enough along the DAO process and to make the right decision. And also at the same time, they want to use Mochaverse as a platform and probably to make a proposal and get the proposal approved. First, like if everyone is like, Familiar with the politics, especially in the US, right? Like there's a lot of lobbying happening when you have something. This is something that would foster the collaboration between the largest DAO in the world, right? Like in the open metaverse space and driving collaboration between Mochaverse and ApeCoin. We don't know what that would be right now. We don't have like a very vivid kind of like what the first proposal would be. But I think that's the exciting part of it about it. And then the Mochafers can actually submit their proposals and actually vote on it. That's really exciting. I'm really looking forward to the community making like really great proposals on that. Yeah, it's a really novel way of bringing more value to the project. And I appreciate how thoughtful you all are being about this process and sort of really trying to lead the charge here. One particularly interesting component, of course, you're doing these travels, you have a global community, is from our travels as well, seeing the nuances and distinctions between different parts of Web3 community in terms of Singapore and Korea, as well as Hong Kong, and of course, Japan. And I think Japan is particularly interesting in the metaverse market, just because of how passionate they are about that element of Web3. I'm really curious what Mochaverse's strategy is for engaging with the Japanese audience and how do you intend to navigate this unique market and cultural landscape? I just came back from Tokyo a week ago, met a lot of local communities, met a lot of IPs and met a lot of IP commercialization partners. The beauty about the Japanese market is basically three folks, right? First is really the anime IP and like Japanese uh, native IPs in the country. And there's a huge fan base in terms of Japanese IPs, right? And there's part of Mochaverse, the vision is to onboard a lot of users and 
bringing interest to cultivate that interest in Web3 through like a Web2 IP and the fan base. The Web2 IP is amazing. That's the first point. Second point is that in Japan, there's a lot of great commercialization opportunity in terms of like leveraging the IP. And what Mochaverse aims to be as well is we want Mochas to be everywhere in the world and starting from Japan. And that, how can we do that? It's basically, I think in the space, there's no silver bullet and there's no best formula in terms of how you can commercialize NFT IP. And what we want to do is we want to bring in the best brain in the world to show and give an example of how those artists and how those like fashion brands can actually commercialize IP and not just like commercializing, but also spreading the influence of it. And then third, I would say the Japanese community is amazing. They're basically hard all the way, very united and very forgiving. And at the same time, they're here for the long term. Those are the three points that why we're so excited. And then fresh off the news as well, we have appointed a new CEO for Animoka Japan as well. Definitely like super excited about uh, working with them and actually working very closely together, uh, especially on the Japanese IP side of things. Very cool. Yeah. I've never been to Japan. I've only been to, I've been to Hong Kong. Uh, Josh has gotten to do some of these more uh, global travels than I have as of late, but, but yeah, fascinated with the cultural diversity in the space and, and all the different ways that these different places are bringing their own culture to Web3. We're going to cut out here in a couple more questions and get on to quick hitters, which should be fun to hear about your personal history and more personally connect with you. Before that, what does your roadmap look like going forward with Mochaverse? Partnerships, artist collabs? I know you mentioned a couple of things, but anything else we could look out for in the future? Yeah, the round tickets is going to play a key role. Round tickets in the future is going to be a consumable asset. And the round tickets that you need to consume in order to participate and activation, and we're not monetizing those round tickets because we're going to redistribute 100% of the round tickets back to community to actually incentivize and motivate active participation. That's the roadmap about like round tickets. And because round tickets is also 1155, the reputation is not going to be accrued to the token ID. The reputation is going to be accrued to the wallet. This is one thing that potentially would be the roadmap of Mochaverse is that your wallet is your identity, your Mocha is your identity, and then you build up the reputation around it and that become your identity in the ecosystem. And we talked about the XP system as well, right? You can see the wallet or the Mocha as your identity. And then the XP is basically your on-chain proof of your achievements and how much you contribute and all that. At the end of the day, it's going to be related to something tangible and something exclusive that might be intangible. But along the process, basically, like everyone would be learning a lot along the process, but also at the same time, getting a lot of value. And I would say the IPs would play a huge role as well. As we said, basically, I see Mochaverse as a growth platform. And what I mean by growth platform is actually coming from user acquisition, user engagement, user retention, advocating. And along the whole user funnel and conversion funnel, actually, the Web2 IPs would be very significant and instrumental on user onboarding. And so far, I have I still haven't seen like amazing kind of onboarding experience. I'm actually staying in the hacker house of wallet solution. And they're 
trying to push the boundaries in, in terms of how to onboard the next billion users with social lock-in, no seed phrase management and all that. And I think that we, Mochaverse is definitely aiming for that in terms of the onboarding experience. Very cool. Where's this hacker house again? It's in Singapore right now. It's like a four-story house. And then basically there's a lot of remote teams like in Vietnam, Philippines and all that. And they just like probably regularly staying in the same house, sometimes maybe sharing a bed, I don't know. But there's like an elevator in the house. It's pretty cool with an amazing rooftop. And I just want to do probably like a shout out to the founder of the company, Web3Auth. Off. They're amazing. They're actually one of the hottest kind of like startups right now in terms of wallet solutions. And then the COO is here. And then basically like we were just chilling just now and talk about the space. And usually the space is used for uh, for engineers to come and code and for remote workers to be here and to fight with the colleagues. So I love the idea. I really want to do one. And Hong Kong is just like the property price in Hong Kong doesn't make sense. We're going to be doing some more hackathons. So that's something fun for us to talk about. At our hackathon at Outer Edge, we had 21 teams compete. That was on the Saturday and Sunday before the event. And it was really incredible what people came up with. Shout out to Paytags for winning the $10,000 grand prize. It was a really cool concept there. And yeah, love what hackathons can do in this type of builder climate. Just out of curiosity, what is the staple cuisine of choice at the Hacker House? Like, what are the drinks? What's the food that you're seeing in greatest abundance over there? I just look at the fridges all stocked up with beer and shoju. You want a shot of shoju in your beer? Apparently, I reject it. I just stick with my beer. I have a beer right here, right now. Yeah, like the team is so well prepared in terms of hosting guests and stock up with all the alcohol. I love that. So you got our pre-prep form to have a drink before the show, just to make sure that you're fully lubricated and tell us all your secrets. Thanks for that. Well, probably too early for a drink over there right now. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Just having some tea over here. (laughs) It's always 5 p.m. somewhere else. So you guys can definitely drink. There you go. There you go. Tyler, I wanted to rewind a little bit back into your background in AI because that's such a relevant topic these days. Things are moving really fast in that area. I was just curious, how do you see AI intersecting Web3 over the next year? And how will this impact Mochaverse and other blue chip projects? That's a great question. I mean, like back then, when I was in AI, it was about like seven years ago. When we started with uh, computer vision, natural language processing, analyzing those images and text and all that, and then basically building building the one of the best customer lifecycle management prediction machine learning models, and also like supply chain prediction models, and for the consumer businesses. Back then, I remember I was on a panel, which is AI Summit, and then people asked about where do you see AGI happening. And then back then, I was like, it's going to be probably like 50 years from now. And I'm totally wrong because it's happening very soon. And definitely AGI will still take a while to get there, but we can already see generative assets from it. And why it's important to the blockchain or Web3 space is because we have been talking the whole time about UGC. But then the honest facts about UGC is that they're not that good. Right. But then like with AI and generative algorithm, the amazing thing is that AI can be a support tool for users to generate their own content and to even monetize it. 
that's what's amazing about it. Just imagine like anyone who is probably don't have any artist skills that can actually create great art based on the message that they want to convey and based on the story that they want to tell. They can be focusing on being a storyteller, but not like having the nitty gritty about like creating art and all the creative side of it. And that's what's amazing about we call it AIGC, Artificial Intelligence Generated Content. And I see people like building a game through ChatGPT4 just by giving a prompt. And that's crazy. So it's going to be amazing. Yeah, definitely check out AIblocks.app. Shout out to our friend Ed, who was also at Outer Edge and was on a Metaverse panel. He's basically created this app, which will allow projects to generate generative AI with their own IP that they own for their community. I'm really curious what you think about this product. It seems like it could be an example of what you're talking about for Mochaverse and for other blue chip projects. He did Frogland, which was one of the earlier projects that created a metaverse experience of their own. And I was just hanging out with him last night when he mentioned this tool, which sounded uh, very relevant to what you just brought up. Yeah, we'll love to get connected. We're very active in terms of searching for great partners to work with in the AI space. Just imagine like creating all those visual assets like in seconds. That's just going to be very exciting. Yeah, totally. And for our listeners who may not know what AGI is, it's artificial general intelligence. So it's basically an agent which can understand and learn intellectual tasks that humans or animals can. I think we're all getting more comfortable with this lexicon and AGI is here. It's definitely coming. It can be scary, but at the same time, there are definitely a lot of stretch in the space, in the AI space to kind of like replicate or impersonate a human being. To be honest, I personally don't think that's necessary. I think AI is a support tool for people to do work more efficiently and probably do things more creatively. But AGI could be pretty scary in some sense. At some point, you cannot differentiate whether that person is a robot or not. And that's really, really scary. Yeah. No, you just said that person is a robot or not. Well, is it a person? Is it a robot? <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we get into our quick hitters, just anything quickly that you think listeners might be interested in that you enjoy in the other space outside of Mochaverse or inspired by? Yeah, I personally, I'm pretty passionate about refi, regenerative finance. I was just talking to one of the biggest gaming brands in the world. Like, if you look at local, you'll definitely know actually Twitter about it. But they they've been working about working on the carbon credit as well. And I think the carbon credit industry would be basically one of the best use cases for blockchain. There's a lot of double dip. There's a lot of misconduct in the space. And there's a lot of on-chain kind of like proof and that the value that they can bring with the blockchain would be huge and very instrumental to it, to the space. That is one thing that I'm very interested about. Another thing is the intersection between AI and blockchain, which we talked about just now because of my background. I think third is no one has really figured out what is the best Web3 growth model and what's the best way to activate your users and reaching them, but at the same time to consider kind of like data privacy in terms of users able to and have the option to actually share the data. Coming from a data background, actually, I'm really excited about this space. And when you look at the companies and products right now, we're still like super early. I would just say like the companies that I've worked with or consider working with, everyone is probably like about 
30% there in terms of comparing to like Web2 100% model. So I've viewed that from many years ago, being an executive of the product. And, and now actually, like it feels like catching up with Web2. That's an interesting part about the Web3 space is that the benchmark is not that high, to be honest, like in terms of products. And then at the end, you can actually create the, the Web3 version of XYZ. And it's going to be a lot of opportunities. We're definitely like super early here. Very cool. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Thanks for the general conversation there. We're going to head on over to Edge Quick Hitters. This is a fun and quick way to get to know you a bit better. There are 10 questions and we're looking for just short, single or few word response, but you can feel free to expand if you get the urge. And just to be clear to the listener, if you haven't figured out already, Tyler Durden is not our guest's real name. This is an alias. Likely you'll be sharing some interesting tidbits about your personal history and your personal life. All right, let's start out. First question is, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? When you're a kid or if you can remember that that far back. I have really bad memory and probably like the first thing I bought is like a streetwear item. Yeah, maybe a pair of jeans or sneakers. Okay, nice. Do you remember any specific brands or things that you got excited about? Or is it just, hey, I got some cool jeans and or sneakers? There's a streetwear brand called Fragment and it was pretty hot. And then I was in Tokyo and like when you're in Tokyo, actually you spend a lot of money on streetwear stuff. So that's where I started. Cool. All right. And then basically after when you grow older, those stuff don't matter anymore. So I'm basically just playing Lululemon, like from head to toe. I wear the same freaking like t-shirt and same color, like same jeans, same shoes, different socks and different underwear every day. Yeah, that's you save a lot of time. We're glad to hear about the different socks and underwear. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say I found this really comfortable Lululemon shirt that I was wearing a lot. And then I went to Lululemon yesterday and now they have the shirt in green and I'm wearing that today. Yeah. Shout out to Lululemon for really comfortable attire for sort of working remotely in Web3. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how popular they are among Web3 like folks, actually. <laughs> or I, if we're probably not. There's probably not any significant difference there. <laughs> <laughs> or if, if you and me, Tyler, it's just us doxing our Lululemon obsession. <laughs> mm, sounds like it's time for a Mocha versus Lululemon partnership. 
Oh, that would be. <laughs> All right. What's the first thing on the flip side of this that you ever remember selling in your life, Tyler? That's a really interesting question because when I think when I was twelve, I realized I can cook a little bit, and then I saw like a bunch of kids having lunch and all that, and some of their parents actually like travel a long way to bring lunch and all that, and some of them are having lunch boxes. Back then, I actually started making spaghetti and then start selling to my colleagues at school when I was in high school. I think is I was selling for twenty Hong Kong dollars or like three U.S. dollars for a box, and that's the first thing that I actually like started selling. Well, that's right up Josh Zally. His previous company was a prepared meal delivery service. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were kind of into the low carb stuff. Maybe some art, some some spaghetti, zucchini pasta, right? Yes, Something like that, or beet pasta or spaghetti squash. But look, that has to be the first time I think in over two hundred episodes that one of our guests was selling spaghetti. One of the first things that's exceptional. I don't know. Got to know say. your market. Actually, my question is. Did you find out that the kids like spaghetti, or was it that as a kid that was like the best thing you could cook? <laughs> and I got another question, like Ethan, why is this not a thing? All kids should be selling spaghetti and meatballs in the U.S. That would be way more popular than lemonade. I think we started yeah. having some FDA issues there with the kids selling spaghetti yeah. and meatballs right away. Yeah, for sure. And I see a lot of actually interesting businesses as well, like on Deliveroo, Food Panda. Basically, like buying Martin Spencer frozen food and just reheat that and deliver them. <laughs> like they're making some arbitrary there, but yeah, like people are super creative. And I also explored starting like a cloud kitchen business, and then basically for proximity and also for economies of scale. But I think like that kind of like sector of the business is is kind of like coming down after COVID. But it's just about me like super curious about any kinds of industries and products. Cool. That's my past world. What was the most recent purchase? The most recent purchase is I, I cannot disclose the collection, but basically I was sweeping like projects to support. In this space, I believe like everyone needs to support each other, and yeah, not basically calculating oh how much you sweep, how much we sweep, and I'm just using my personal money to sweep and support good founders and good builders who are genuine about this space, and it's really. Where to find genuine builders who actually want to contribute to the space? Whenever I see one like genuine builder, I do my best to help. Giving my team also like remind me, hey Tyler, like stop giving away your own money because it's not sustainable. But then I feel happy giving, and I will just continue doing that. I mean, like the impact that we can make on lives and the influence that you can bring is priceless. That is something that. Actually, is there my core values in terms of giving and being genuine? Awesome, that's great. So, next question: What is the most recent thing you sold? The most recent thing? Well, I mean, Mochaverse is probably the most recent thing we sold, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that counts. Yeah. All right. Next question is: What is your most prized possession? Most prized, as in like the biggest gain. No, most prize meaning you value it the most. You know, it's like, hey, this is my. I would never want to lose this. You know, it's very special to me. I'm trying to get the one of one mocha. There's a aqua dad that is like really memeable, and I love it. Let's see if I can get it. But then if I get it, that would be the most prize. 
ownership? Well, that may be your answer to a future question that we have on the list here. <laughs> I feel like I'm like Santa Claus present opening time or something. And I, I know what's coming or something. <laughs> tell the kid. So tell us, though, what do you already have that you value greatly, just in case? I value culture a lot. Even though it's not making money, I actually value the on-chain proof of that moment. There are many key moments. Like, for example, I invested in, in a token called KlimaDAO. As a regenerative finance, and I was like very active in it, even like discussing proposal and all that. It brought me to the world. This is the amazing part of the, about Web3. You, when you invest in something, you study the hell of it. And then when you study the hell of it, you gain a lot of knowledge. And that's where I learned a lot about carbon credit standard, like with Vera and Golden Standard and all that. I know about like different grades, like nature based and renewable energy based and all that. I would say I value that experience a lot. And it's basically one of Olympus forks. People have been saying that Olympus Fork is like Ponzi scheme and all that. But to me, I actually still believe in the project and I love the the team. I love the people like super smart, super intellectual. Yeah, I would say I value Thema the most. Cool. I dig it. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service or experience is currently for sale, what would it be? I would buy probably... Let's try to do a dollar amount. Let's say I have $5 billion. I would probably sponsor 500 high potential kids to be the best version of themselves and having them to have like a commitment to help another 500 kids in the future when they're successful. I think that's really the best way how you make an impact to the world. And me personally, I don't 100% believe in giving money away to charity or, or that business. I think the impacts that you can make personally versus the impacts you can make versus donating money is very different. And when you can cultivate and nurture the right people, the, the next generation, they're going to help the next generation and so on and so on. So I will spend my money that way. And that's why my team asked me to stop giving out money. Yeah. You know, it's pretty uncanny, Tyler. In a former life, I started a nonprofit initiative called Put Your Best Foot Forward, where I helped over 400 homeless individuals in DC to find and keep jobs. It was all about empowering them with the tools and community for success, as opposed to giving them money. And a lot of those individuals, and this is like a tier of homelessness that actually they're ready to go. They just are down on their luck and, and all they need is a little bit of a boost. And that's what we were able to do with that program. And of course, at Outer Edge, I'm not sure if you realize there's a lot going on while you're here. We actually did a program with K-12 Crypto that empowered 150 Los Angeles youth to learn about Web3. Lots of fun stuff that we can talk about. Yeah, respect what you do. That's what you do in the space has been with bring positive impact. Like We need more people like you. Stop talking about like financial gains, but really thinking about bringing positive impact to the industry. Well, it, it's been Ariel Caputo on our team that's led this initiative. Shout out to Ariel. She's been doing great things, bringing this visibility. And we had a philanthropy day that a member of your team came by with me where there are over like 20 philanthropic social impact Web3 initiative organizers all together. I'm excited about our shared values here and, and what we can co-create. And that's why we ask questions like this to learn more about each other. So if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I would say 
being genuine, uh, having integrity. That is something that I cannot ever lose. And I think the credibility and the reputation and the trust from different people come from integrity. And yeah, like I, I think the reputation and integrity that you accumulate over time, no one can ever take that away. And when I say take that away, what do I mean by that is the personal relationship and the trust that you build between people. I would definitely pass that on and I hope the next generation would be genuine about all kinds of relationships. Yeah. And it's particularly important in this day and age of such a digital world that we maintain that trust and reputation, integrity in an authentic way. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? I would say not having work-life balance. That's probably something that I don't want the next generation to have this level of kind of like workaholic mindset. We all need to touch some grass and to breathe and to relax. And having, I, I mean, like to build a true family, being proud of what you build because the family is also something that should be a part of the achievement and not just about work. And I hope everyone can actually take the time and to think about the purpose and the impact that they want to bring to the world instead of just working for the paycheck. If you agree with Sam Altman on Rex Friedman's podcast, AI will help us achieve a higher quality of life. Time will tell. Yeah. I mean, how do they call it? UBI? Universal Base Income? Like you guys have been talking about it. I actually think about this a lot, right? What happened? AI automates everything. And when I think about it, it's basically the entertainment industry would be booming. The reason being people got nothing to do. Basically, people would be sharing income or like profit, everything the machines and the codes are able to generate for you. At the end, people would just be bored, like sleeping on the bed and all that. And then what they need is entertainment. I think entertainment would actually play a huge role when AI kind of like take over the road. I thought about like humanity a lot in terms of what impact AI would actually bring to people. All right. Last two questions. Relatively simple. First one, number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was meeting the Mochaverse holders in Singapore, actually. And I'm like, we're at a bar where the Mochaverse entities are everywhere. And then I went to have dinner with the CEO of WebFreeOff. And he brought me to a really nice restaurant, which is Malaysian Singaporean fusion restaurant. And then he just brought me to the hacker house. And now I'm stationed here. We have a beer in the living room. Yeah, like tomorrow morning, I'm going to grab a coffee with him and then head off to the airport. All right. Sounds like a great day. And then you get top it all off with a Edge of NFT episode recording. Perfect. Uh, what do you plan on doing after the podcast? Probably get another beer and then wash up and then pass out. And then tomorrow morning, I got a flight to cash and uh, really looking forward to be back home. Sometimes when you're away from home for too long, you just want to have your own pattern and know where to get your tea and where things are at and going to local restaurants just next door. That sounds fair. Well, we wish you a safe trip home and uh, we hope you enjoy yourself. All right. That concludes our Edge Quick Hitters segment. Thank you, Tyler, for participating with us on that one. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. 
It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, it's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Next up, shall we cover a couple hot topics, Josh? Yeah, I think we have time for one or two. Let's do it. All right, let's give it a shot. First topic here and hot topics is the NFT aggregator market is heating up as OpenSea Pro overtakes Blur. We started off with the launch of OpenSea Pro. It's a marketplace aggregator that builds on Gem V2, which OpenSea has operated since it acquired Gem back in April 2022. When using the relaunched aggregator, users are able to browse listings from over 170 NFT marketplaces, including OpenSea. It also keeps them with aggregated cross-market data and a suite of tools designed to help collectors and traders optimize how they buy and sell NFTs. All right. I mean, listen, OpenSea has been a huge leader in this whole game for quite a while. I would hope they had some really cool plans up their sleeves. We did see some scuttle about Blur entering the market and, and some issues around royalties and things like that. But it looks like OpenSea is trying to step up to the plate and do something cool that serves the community. Any thoughts on this, Tyler? Yeah. Interestingly, our drop was supposed to be I think like February 21st, and then it got postponed mainly because OpenSea just 24 hours before we launched our event, they announced that they're not going to respect creator royalties and people who don't actually implement the operator filter, they're not going to get royalties. Back then, like it's a big decision and we need to be bold and be decisive and then make the decision to be, okay, like we postponed the mint for a couple of weeks and then we upgrade the contracts, we're going to implement everything again and to implement the operative filter of OpenSea, but also at the same time, giving us the option to turn OpenSea filter as well. And then we can implement our own filter. I mean, like in this space with every change in kind of dynamics, we just need to add extra layer of flexibility and the smart contracts in the old days, contract is not upgradable. People are just stuck. I was pretty disappointed about the OpenSea not respecting creator royalties and also not respecting like the previous promise in terms of grandfather status of the collection. 
But then I think they made a pretty good comeback. And I mean, whatever is the past is the past. But I mean, the comeback is great because company and a marketplace or an aggregator that respect creator royalties, having a good comeback. And I cannot be happier than this, right? I believe like that's the right way to go. And they're definitely doing a great job right now. Yeah, it's not easy when you have competition that's cutting you out with 0% royalties and it's a complicated matter, but it comes down to, I think, integrity, to your point, and doing what's right at the end of the day and looking at the long-term implications of your decision. So I do appreciate that OpenSea continues to innovate. And I think this healthy competition between Blur and OpenSea and LuxRear is a good thing. It's never good to have a monopoly in any industry, in any type of industry segment or technology suite. But at the same time, I am concerned about sort of this race to the bottom that seems ha- like it's happening right now. For sure. I mean, like the culprit of that is PseudoSwap, right? Like PseudoSwap starting with 0% royalties and then Burrage is like following. But also at the same time, even though it's really bad, and I was just talking about that earlier in LA and on the panel, it's like, because creator is a creator of products. If there is no product, what the hell is the marketplace selling? So something like that, like people need to respect that. Like just imagine all the products that the creators are going to sell. They have the right to choose where to sell it and how much they should price it at. So it's just like very frustrating to to see something like that. But also at the same time, on the bright side, I think Blur, PseudoSwap kind of like inspire or like trigger or like stimulate the creator to think about the new business model. And I think... There's no kind of like bad changes in the space. Every change trigger the next revolution. And I'm just like very curious about like in the future, besides like dropping more NFTs, what are the next sustainable kind of like business model for creators if royalties is going to zero? I'm pretty sure the industry will find its equilibrium and find its way. Yeah, I think so too. And I think NFTs 2.0, 3.0, it's going to be vastly different than what we can even imagine. We're really excited. We're going to be interviewing the founders of Taproot Wizards this week in New York. And I think we have to really look at what's going on there with inscriptions and ordinals and whatnot and what the implications are there for the broader industry. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty controversial as well, right? Like, for example, Yuga Labs launching it and like people just doing it for the hype. But then one person I would like to shout out and I probably respect a lot is Danny from the founder and CEO of Unchain Monkey. He's definitely a pioneer in inscription and has, has been like coaching like different projects as well on Bitcoin Ordinals. So yeah, like they've been doing, they're one of the first uh, definitely to launch on Bitcoin. So shout out to them. All right. Well, thanks for doing that shout out. And we'll actually probably wrap up our quick hitters now so we don't run out of time, but then move on to another opportunity for you to shout out (laughs) in a segment that we've been continuing here for several months, where we just kind of ask you if there's anybody, any friends or other projects or anybody in the community that you think is worth giving a shout out to on the podcast, try to get some tags out there on the socials and stuff when the episode goes out. Yeah, I feel like winning the Golden Globe and I need to thank everyone, but really worried about not thanking all the people that I need to thank. But like big shout out to the self-initiated community, sub-communities in this space, like for Mochaverse, like Mocha HK, Mocha 
China, Mocha Korea, Mocha Japan, Mocha Club, they've been like amazing being proactive in driving community engagement. Big shout out to particularly like different kind of like members in the space and Mochaverse, like the Exile, like CK Kong and and then Becca, like Prima has been like and Becca together, like hosting community Twitter spaces all the time to actually represent the community to ask the right questions. We got Chang, right? I cannot thank enough, like Raven and Karma. Sorry, like if I miss you, I'm sorry, but all of you are amazing. A lot of love to you. And then like all the partners as well, like Brian Evans has been amazing, has been connecting me with a bunch of people. And also at the same time, my buddy Sky Mavis, like Quinn, is a great guy. I'm very bullish about him. There's a lot of people at Nensen and all that and Amazon. All people are good friends of mine. But well, we can tell you, we cut you off. We can tell them they cut me off. I couldn't say anymore. Uh, <laughs> I meant to t- say Ethan came good in idea. and he said, stop. <laughs> you can't say anything else. <laughs> all right. We appreciate that. All right. That's pretty much it for the episode. Although we do have a giveaway, I think, that we be conducting with you all over there at Mochaverse. Josh or Tyler, you guys want to share a little bit more about that? Yeah, we're still figuring out the details on the fly, which is the Web3 way. But these Realm tickets seem really awesome as a way to sort of onboard new folks into the Mochaverse ecosystem. And so Tyler has been generous enough to offer some of those Realm tickets to our audience. We'll work out some kind of fun contest. So look for that on our socials coming up. Thanks, Tyler. No problem. My pleasure. All right. That means officially we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks to everyone for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, then go to edgeofnft.com to fly further down the rabbit hole. You can look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great Web3 content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.